Merry Christmas. It's exciting to have you here on this morning. And as you know, we've been talking a great deal about what Christmas really means to us. Amen. And so one of the things we've done as a church in this year is we took a journey in Advent. And so today that journey will bring us to a message on peace. But peace is something that sometimes I've noticed escapes us during this time of year where we expect peace to be found. And it's almost like peace strategically tries to make its exit right at this time where we're trying to enjoy peace. I thought about it long and hard and I said, have you ever noticed that companies that do their layoffs, it seems like they do that right around Christmas time, doesn't it? It seems like at this moment where we're trying to embrace God's word and we're trying to experience the fullness of it, we're tested at the greatest lengths to see, will you really embrace this peace? Because as we're going to see, peace is not something that stays with us. It's not as though peace is something that is determined upon your circumstances. But as we'll discover today, peace is a person. Peace is who Jesus is in our life. And as we come to a place where we can find him and receive him and seat him in that place and become determined that nothing or no one will steal our peace. That's a decision we get to make. I thought of a personal testimony. There was a, um, a season where we were in the process of buying our home. And everything was all set to the place where we had planned to be out of town. Uh, we were planning our Christmas vacation. And uh, at this particular time, I had made this arrangement for our family to go to Disney World. We had been to Disney World in the past, but we had never been to Disney during the holidays. And I heard what a magical place this was going to be during Christmas. And so I had made so many preparations. One of the preparations I made that was quite humorous is since we were staying in the Disney Resort, I actually had packed up like a mini Christmas tree and stockings and toys and shipped it ahead of us uh, by UPS to the resort so that when we got there, we could still have Christmas in Florida. And so everything was all, we were all excited. We had our luggage and our suitcase all lined up with our little Disney tags on it so that the Magical Express would see us at the airport and pick us up. My husband contacted the title company and he said, how are we going to do the closing if we're still in Disney World? They said, oh, no problem. We have people in every state will send a title agent out to you and you'll be able to close. We said, fine. We brought the wiring instructions with us. We were so excited. This was going to happen over Christmas. What a wonderful gift to our family. And then the lender backed out of the deal. Will you keep your peace? Will you go into panic? 
Will you cancel the family vacation so that you can scramble and try to figure out how are we still going to make this happen? Those were all options. But if you're going to live the word of God and not just teach the word of God, amen, that was not an option for us. We had to grab a hold of that peace that I'm going to be teaching about on this morning and recognize that no matter what, guess who was still in control? Guess who's still seated on the throne? Guess who knew all of this before we knew it? Amen? So we had to do what our kids probably didn't even realize until they're hearing me talk about it now, the big Christian thing to do and say, I just trust God and I'm at peace. I thought about it in a practical way too and I said, it's Christmas, nobody's at work anyway. We might as well go ahead and enjoy this vacation that has been prepared for us. There has to be a time and there has to be a way where we begin to recognize and the challenge that I have tried to give us throughout this series is as we look at the word and as we revisit the birth of Jesus that we do not look at this just as a nice Christmas story but that we will begin to embrace that the Lord has left us his word to guide us and to help us and the everyday challenges that we face in our lives as well. The word is still relevant. The word is still alive. And as we continue to look at the scriptures anew and afresh, which we have enjoyably done over this series, I believe we get to see how God is still speaking to us, even through the story of the birth of Jesus. And so we learned, as a quick recap, that the word advent means coming or arrival. And the season is marked by the expectation, the waiting, the anticipation, and the longing. But we also said that advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, but to also look forward to and be alert for his second coming. Advent looks back at celebration of the hope fulfilled in Jesus Christ's coming, while at the same time looking forward in eager anticipation of the coming of, the, of Christ's kingdom when he returns for us as his people. So during Advent, we had an opportunity to look at both. And we looked at hope, love, joy, and peace because we said God is with us. And God with us brings peace. So if you would, turn with me to the book of Luke. We're going to see a few things, but we'll, we'll start in chapter 2, and we'll work our way through, because what we're going to talk about now is how the shepherd's peace is and has been restored. The shepherd's peace restored. So we're in Luke chapter 2, and I'll get there with you in a moment. If you need a Bible, uh, we were 
blessed to receive a new donation of them. Just side note, it's amazing. I, I had the opportunity to pick the Bibles up on yesterday uh, from someone who is not a member of this church, uh, but they visited and they felt impacted by the work that God is doing here and they wanted to sow into the ministry even though they may not attend this ministry. And she gave me a powerful testimony yesterday when Pastor Charles and I stopped by to pick up these Bibles and I just have to share it with you. She said that the Bibles that she bought were $165. She bought 100 of these Bibles that were passing out here. And then we had also sent out a message about needing additional uh, Christmas presents. And so she wrote a check for $300. And so total in that week, she had given $465 uh, to Excel Church, even though this is not her church home. When we came to pick up the Bible, she was in tears. She had a deposit made into her bank account for $4,650. To the penny. That's the kind of God that we serve. He gives seed to sowers and he blessed her tenfold. He could have just gave her back $465. But that's the kind of God, out of her obedience, he blessed her abundantly for the seed that she sowed. So we thank God for the seed. We thank God for uh, placing it upon her heart to buy these additional Bibles uh, for the ministry and we're excited to be able to pass those out to you. So if you have those, we'll be in Luke chapter 2 uh, in just a moment. But as we've been doing, many of you who have been a part of this series, I pray, have been able to see the scripture anew and to look at it from a new perspective. And not to just look at and read the words on the page, but to actually step into the culture and to step into the experience and really see what was happening and hear what God is saying for us right now. Now, if we've been doing that, I want us to continue to do that because there were so many things that I think we can extract from the scripture in Luke chapter two about what God did when he spoke through those shepherds. Now, in order to do that, we've gotta really take a, a glance back at who they were in the culture at that particular time. Shepherds, we now have maybe a different connotation to them, but what we need to understand to understand what was going on in this scripture is that shepherds were considered very lowly. As you could imagine, they worked with animals all day. They, it wasn't a glamorous role in Jewish society. So they had one of the, the, the lowly jobs. They were left to tend after the stinky sheep. They were considered the low people on the totem pole. And then conversely, the religious elite were considered to be high and lifted up. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those who had the opportunity to hear God's word and teach God's word who were placed in a position of reverence 
and never let the people that were under them forget about that. Sound familiar? And so as a result of that, think about that for a second when we start to look at chapter two. Think about the extraordinariness, the unusualness of it, that if God wants to send a message and the order in society is that messages come to the elite, the religious people. When we look at this, consider what God may be saying to us as he defies the tradition and speaks to who? The shepherds. The people who have the lowly position. The ordinary people. People like us. Amen? Luke chapter 2. Let's look at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Pause for a second. What's going on here? As we're not used to getting visitations from angels. What is going on here? And if that's not enough, if the vision of the angel isn't enough, let's look at verses 10 through 12. Now the angel is speaking to them. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, cloths, and lying in a manger. I can almost imagine, as I put myself in the place of the shepherds, looking around, trying to confirm. Have you ever had somebody talk to you and they're saying, you're looking back like, to confirm, you're, you're talking to me? You're bringing this message to me? It's almost the reaction that I think we get sometimes when we realize that God has called us. When God gives us an assignment. When God wants to use us for his glory. And the pastor calls you and asks you, can you bring the word? And you look back and you go, You're talking to me? Can you lead the women's ministry? Is it, you're talking to me? And the shepherds are beginning to recognize, yeah, we're the only ones here. The angel's speaking to us. 
And listen to what the angel says next. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. These words had to be almost unbelievable to them because now not only are we receiving a visitation from God, now not only is an angel speaking to me, but now there's a heavenly host. The sky is lit up and God is telling me that favor rests on me. Can you receive that for your life? Can you receive that God is establishing a pattern by showing us that oftentimes the elite, religious elite, the celebrities, the people that we place on high plateaus, he will politely step right past and come to us and let us deliver his message and let us carry his peace and let us carry his message. A pattern is here that we must take notice of. God's favor is upon us. And his peace, somebody say his peace, is with us. I want you to just grab hold of that peace for right now. Just right in this moment, if you need to just take a deep breath, if you need to just sigh and just release all of the anxiety and release all the cares and release all of the worries and make your decision, yes, the peace of God is with me and I receive it right now. I don't have to wait to an altar call. I don't have to wait for somebody to lay hands on me. This peace is with me and has been here since this baby was born. We've got to hold on to that peace because oddly enough, in the time of year where we proclaim that we will celebrate it, this is the time where, I don't know about you, but peace has been tempted to flee. I've got four kiddos and between all four of them, I've had concert recitals, I've had uh, concert rehearsals, I've had uh, orchestra performances, choir performances, uh, band performances, you name it, there was something consistently that I was running to and from. And then I had the nerve to sign up to be the home room mom for the kindergarten class. So we had a kindergarten party. And so there was one thing right after another. And I said to everyone, that was great. And then we had the, the, the Christmas celebration yesterday. And that was absolutely amazing. Can we give God praise for what he did yesterday? Absolutely amazing. The thing that I thought that was so fascinating about it is that God moved on the heart of his people. God has been speaking to his people. It was interesting because I, I think maybe the last Sunday in November, I was preaching, and then after I finished preaching, 
Next thing I know, you guys were dragging out boxes from the basement and hanging up stuff. And then next thing I know, you were decorating the hallways and the tree was coming up. And then somebody found the candles and I said, oh, y'all are ready. And then I walked into that celebration and I saw the excellence in which things were done. See, that's the difference. And that's why we get to a place where we allow people to serve God and not men. Because when we do something as unto the Lord, that is our guide. The Lord gave you your instructions. The Lord said to uh, Minister Charmaine, why don't you go ahead and put some wrapping paper over all of these, these, these um, doors and make the doors look like presents. The Lord said to Sister Stacy, you know what, why don't you come up here and bring your, mom, your, your, your daughter and your granddaughter and you guys do this together as a family. Those weren't instructions that come from men. But when we receive those instructions and when we don't do the whole, you talking to me? There's an opportunity. See, here's something, side note, side note. I'm, I'm learning as I, I hear our messages again, the side notes tend to be the notes that impact you the most. Because the side notes tend to be the thing that isn't in the notes that the Holy Spirit says to say, and it's for somebody. So this isn't in the notes, but this is for somebody. See, the, the danger of being in that position and having the Lord speak to you and looking to see if maybe he's talking to someone else when you understand that he's talking to you and then refusing to complete the assignment that he has given you and using as your excuse, oh, I wasn't sure if you were talking to me. The danger of that is you can miss your blessing. There's a blessing in the instruction for you. Oftentimes, we can't see that there's a blessing attached. Oftentimes, I think someone said to me, I think it was Brother Michael, he said, sometimes blessings are disguised in jeans and they look like hard work. So people pass them by. I know I butchered that, but I think you know what I'm, where, I'm, where I'm going with that. Sometimes, the very thing that we're praying about, the very thing that we're asking God and we're on our knees and we're begging and we're like, Lord, would you please? It, it just kind of reminds me. You guys remember that old joke where there was a catastrophe coming and the land was going to be flooded and this guy was stranded on the island and he prays and he's like, Lord, save me. And then a boat comes by the island and it's like, hey, hey, come get on the boat. He says, no. I'm waiting on the Lord. And it goes on and a, you know, a plane goes by and you know, all these different things come by to try to rescue him. And he refuses to receive it because he's waiting on the Lord. And when he dies and he gets to heaven and he asks God, how could you leave me like that? I believed in you. I was standing on your promises. And of course, as you know, this joke, the response is, I sent you a boat, I sent you a plane, I sent you several methods. You just refused to receive them because it didn't look like what you thought I was going to do in your life. Does that hit anybody this morning? 
or the things that God asks of you to do that it doesn't fit your definition of what you should be doing, it's not the area that I'm called to. Oh, I'm not called to this ministry. Uh-uh, uh, sister. You have to find somebody else to do that. Okay. Somebody else will do that and get your blessing. So you have to make a decision that I am going to grab hold of this peace. And when God is speaking to me and God is giving me instruction, even though it may be very scary, it may be frightening, it may, it may make me absolutely tremble. But me and pastor have this thing that we like to do. It's called trembling and trusting. Do it anyway. Who has that slogan? Do it afraid. Your blessing is attached to your obedience. Oh, it's tight, but it's right. Amen. Amen. So as we see that this morning and we see that the angels appear to the shepherds and we see that the shepherds are receiving this announcement of the good news, they become the message bearers of peace. Isn't that ironic? The, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they didn't even have a spot in the whole manger. They, they had to hear about it from them secondhand. Isn't that ironic that God would have a message that important? They've been waiting. You've been with us for this series. They've been waiting so long for the birth of a Messiah. They've all been waiting. They've been reading the scripture. This is something that they anticipated for longer than we can imagine, beyond lifetimes. And it's finally here. And the Lord uses a bunch of shepherds to bring the message. I want us to consider for a moment that we have more in common with these shepherds than we probably ever realized. And that the work that God wants to do, he wants to do it through us, through ordinary people who haven't been to seminary, who ha don't have maybe a, a long line of degrees behind our name. But when he comes into our life and he cleans us up, all he needs you to do is go tell that. You don't need a bunch of scriptures. What you need is, this is what God did in my life. He is real. And as we're willing to do that, I don't know about you, but that was very intimidating to me at first. I don't, I mean, I don't know if I can do that. If I do that, they may ask me. I was afraid I would get into a Bible bowl with them. A Bible contest and that they would outdo me because I wouldn't know the right thing to say. But as I began to understand, think about the shepherds. They must have felt the same way. They must have felt, you know, you're going to be challenged on this. Why would God bring it to you? Why would God bring a message this important to you? I am the appointed messenger of God. That's why we have to get comfortable with the fact that all we have to do is take the message. We're not responsible for if they receive it. 
Because I know a whole lot of y'all didn't receive what I just said five minutes ago, and that's fine with me. <laughs> it is. I'm just responsible to bring the message. If you take your spiritual ears and tune out <laughs> and go to another station and say, she ain't talking to me, I did what I was supposed to do. Me and God are good. Now, are you and God good? Thank you, Stacy. I got one believer in here. Peace is not based on class or position or occupation. It cannot be bought. It is not reserved for the wealthiest. It is not reserved for those who have the most degrees. Somebody should say hallelujah. hallelujah. It is not reserved for those who live in a certain area or those who have a certain self-esteem. God showed us, I am bringing peace to you. I'm coming to the ordinary person. I'm coming to the, the ordinary laborer. And I am showing you that my favor is upon you. Hmm. What a blessing that is. I think that's one of our major hangups. God is not like man. So the way the world treats you, you got to kind of, that's why the Bible says he is going to give us a new mind. We, he renews our mind because what we have been taught in the world, we have to absolutely discard in order to receive the things that God has for us. And sometimes it's so hard for us to receive this love. It's so hard for us to receive this joy. It's so hard for us to receive this peace because we are so used to carrying all our own burdens. What do you mean I can cast my cares upon you, God, for you care for me? What do you mean that I am favored of you and that your favor is upon me? The lights are off. I don't even know how I'm going to get a Christmas present. Thank God for the celebration because that may be the only present I have for my child this year. What do you mean? Peace be with you. Because the peace is not based on external circumstances. And when we catch that revelation and make a decision, I'm not going to have peace just when everything gets situated. I'm not going to have peace when I get everything lined up, when I find that job I was looking for, when I get that house I wanted, when I buy that car. My peace is here and I'm claiming it now. Merry Christmas. I give you peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll take, thank you. I'll take it. That peace. You know, when my mom passed away, and this is something that, just to share with you how tangible this peace is. When I was a little girl, as many of you know my testimony, I was adopted by who would have been my biological mother, biological grandmother. And because of that, she was much older than me, but I was not aware of the whole switcheroo scenario. I just knew that my mother was a lot older than everybody else's moms. And with that came a great fear for me, where I would wake up in the middle of the night. For some reason, I had this recurring dream that we would be on a bridge and that the bridge would open up and the car would fall in and she couldn't swim and I couldn't save her. 
And I would have this dream repeatedly, and I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I would come downstairs crying. I'd be like, Mommy, I dreamed that we were drowning, and I couldn't save you. Now, as a child, you have to understand this is traumatizing because she is my world. I adore her. And to think that she could ever be in a scenario where I wouldn't be able to save her, was it was very detrimental to me. I didn't know I was getting a foreshadow of things that would come later that had nothing to do with a drowning or a car, but that I would have to learn how to put my trust in God. And so for me to have that kind of feeling, I kind of had it put in my mind. When she dies, they need to do like a little double slot so they can bury her and then I'll probably die like two or three days later, right? So just go ahead and just drop me right next to her. Like I had it all planned out. That's how much me and, that's how much I love mama. Let me tell you about this piece. My mom wind up having cancer. And I was so grateful that the Lord had blessed me. I, I had my own law practice, so I controlled my own schedule, and I gave all my cases to somebody else, and I was like right by her side. We were at the hospital continuously, going for the chemotherapy. Then her kidneys failed, so we're going for the dialysis. Now, y'all have heard me testify before how they used to tease me when I gave my life to Christ, and how when I would come in the house, they'd be like, oh, Lord, here come the Bible thumper. That was her major, that was what they called me, the Bible thumper. They didn't want to see me coming. Oh, put your cigarettes away. Here come the Bible thumper. So all this time, I'm the Bible thumper. They're, they're, they're irritated. They don't want me to bring Jesus around. And here we are in a place where she's dying. And she's saying to me, baby, can you open the Bible? Can you just read to me? And so I'm sitting at her bed and we're waiting on dialysis treatment and I'm reading the Bible and I'm saying, whoa, 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 wait. I am going to be able to save her. I'm about to lead her to Christ. Amen. And she will live forever. And we read the Bible together and we read the Bible together. And I said, mommy, are you sure you're saved? Do you want me to lead you to Christ? And I led my mom to Christ, and we went through Romans Road together and rejoiced. And she got to the point, she was like, baby, I'm ready to go. Don't cry for me, I'm ready to go. And when she left this earth, I came off the elevator. We were at the hospital. They had called us at the hospital, and they said, I need you to get down here. We think this is it. And now here's the thing. There have been plenty of times where they thought it was it, and the Holy Spirit would be like, it's not time. This time when I got there, Holy Spirit, this is it. Say goodbye. So everybody left the room. I talk to her. I say goodbye to her. I tell her I love her. I tell her how much she's done for me. I tell her how I'm just going to carry on the legacy for her. We go through all of this. And this is one thing that I did that I don't know if my dad knew about this, but the nurse had said to me, she said, the thing about your mother is she has so much pride, she doesn't want to die in your presence. She said, y'all need to leave the room. And so I said to myself, we're not going to be selfish. She's ready to go. She wants to be with the Lord. So everybody left. My father had went to the bathroom. My sister had went to get something to eat. And it was just me and Anna and her little, uh, little stroller and, C and, and Leah. No CJ, no Nicholas. And I said, mommy, 
She couldn't see. She was, her eyes were closed. I said, we're all leaving now. I said, you're in this room, and when I leave, you're going to be alone. I said, if you're ready to go home with Jesus, I'll see you when I get there. I love you. I kissed her. I walked out the room. The nurse came running down the hall. She said, I'm so sorry. I was like, you don't have to be sorry. I walked back in the room. I looked at her laying there asleep. I kissed her. And I said, all right, now get strong for daddy. They've been married 50 years. That whole experience, I walked with a peace that surpasses all understanding. I was able to hold my daddy up. I was able to take care of the things that I needed to do for the family. And you know families get to acting crazy, right? <laughs> I was able to divide up stuff and make sure things went well and work with the funeral home and get everything done. And through that whole process, I promise you, his peace covered me. So when I say I give to you peace, don't act like I'm giving you this little raggedy gift that was on clearance at Walmart. He's saying, I give you peace. Yes. That when they give you a diagnosis that you don't understand, you say, I'm going to be all right. Amen. I give you peace. So that when they tell you you're not going to close on your home, you're not even slightly concerned about it. I'm going to be all right. I give you peace. The kind of peace that when they say, I'm laying you off from your job and you know what? I'm sorry, but we don't even have a severance package for you. It's okay. I am going to be all right. The peace of God. It's the greatest gift you could ever receive. And so that's why we said we're kind of, we're determined to kind of shift our thoughts and shift our focus this Christmas. That's why we said we're determined that we're going to seek the things that God wants to give us that are freely here for us, but we just have to reach up and receive them. I receive your peace. Somebody say, I receive your peace. Hallelujah. This peace is wholeness. <laughs> In the Old Testament, the word, the Hebrew word that they use for peace is shalom. It conveys rich, powerful meaning, so much more than the absence of problems. But shalom reflects safety, completeness, wholeness. This is the type of peace that is brought by God to us. Jesus is the prince of Shalom, foretold by the prophet Isaiah. Do you remember us reading this? Remember how we talked about how Isaiah, when we read this scripture, it felt like it was something that we read after the birth of Jesus. And so we went back in context and we talked about the timeline and the chronology. And we recognized, now this was several hundred years before the birth. And he says, for unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government 
will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so because of this, quite frankly, the Jews of Jesus' day wanted a Messiah that was going to bring political peace. They wanted a Messiah that was going to shift the order and get them out of the, 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 the thumb of the Romans. And they wanted someone who was going to come and make them on top. Liberate them. So for them, how are you the Messiah and everything is still the same? Boy, we got a lot of common with them, don't we? How are you the Messiah and I still have an eviction notice? How are you the Prince of Peace and they still told me I was going to be laid off? Like, fix it. Fix it, Jesus. Hashtag. It's funny. God is so good. Um, my hairdresser, she was, I had an appointment for yesterday at 10, but because of the toy celebration or the, uh, the Christmas celebration and the toy distribution, I told her I wouldn't be able to make it. And she had already told me <laughs> that she was super booked because of Christmas and everybody wants to look beautiful for Christmas and families coming and all that. And so I told her, I said, well, I don't want to create stress for you. I know that you're fully booked and I'm sorry I can't make it. But if something changes, let me know. And so she texted me and she was just like, I am so sorry. I don't have anything. And I replied and I was like, Jesus, be a hair appointment. And she was just, she said, LOL, come at 530. I said, hallelujah. <laughs> and she let me come at the end of the day. And it was such a sacrifice. It was such a labor. I didn't get out of there till 830 because she had to do all these treatments and conditionings and all this stuff to me. But I said all that to say, God is so faithful. The littlest things that you care about. It's silly to you. I wanted my hair done. That was what was important to me. And my father spoils me. Hallelujah. I got any spoiled children in here today? Hello? Hallelujah? Hallelujah? Both hands up in the back. When you learn how to walk in the word and how to live the word, God delights in giving good gifts. He delights. You have not seen anything yet. If you're not spoiled yet, tell somebody and say, well, just hold on. Hold on. 2020 is your year. Amen. Oh, yes. Do you understand what your father has for you? Woo, I receive it. Hallelujah. I receive it. God has so much he wants to do for us. And that again, we need to receive it. Some of us have a hard time. You want to do that for me? But you know how I, I wasn't faithful to you, God? You know how 
I did this and I did that. And God's got to be sitting there going, do you think I have amnesia? I'm God. I know all your flaws. I know all about your faults. I still love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. So why don't you just go ahead and walk in your breakthrough? Go ahead and receive it. Stop carrying around the baggage of your mistakes and your past. He knows all about it. That's why we have a thing called an altar. All you need to do is separate yourself from all that stuff. You, you can't fix it. You can't go back in the past. You can't change it. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. But you can come to the altar of God and you can say, God, please forgive me. I knew not what I did. I wasn't aware of how this hurts you. I wasn't aware of how this set me off the course that you have for me. And all I know, I can't do nothing about yesterday, but from today forward, I want to walk with you. I want to know that peace. I want to know this joy. And God, I give my life to you. Do you know the Bible says he cast our sin as far as the east is from the west? You know, the Bible says that he cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. He remembers it not. I told you he's not like man. You know, man, they'll tell you I forgive you. <laughs> and when you get into that first argument, you'll be like, I thought you said you forgave me. In third grade, you stole my boyfriend. You knew I liked him. Really? We're almost 50. <laughs> You're stuck on the third grade boyfriend. He didn't like you anyway. Oh, my Lord. I got to make you laugh. You're crying over here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. Yeah. God is not like man. And we thank him for that this morning. As I close. Whew. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. Now, why does this matter? <clears throat> okay. I want to give it to you like this. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, again, let's go in context. This is one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples. Okay? He is giving them instructions. We talked about when someone's leaving, they say to you those things that they want you to remember, those things that are important, those things that they want you to live by, that even though they are leaving you, you need to hold on to this. And he says, peace, I leave with you. I'm going, but I leave peace with you. Better than any other inheritance that could be left behind. I leave behind peace. 
And so if I understand that God has left peace he has a gift for us that we can grab a hold of on this Christmas. And we can recognize that this is not the type of thing that the world gives. That they can take back. You can't repossess this. I can't be 15 years in on my mortgage on peace and then I have a bad rough patch and then you take it back and they go into foreclosure. See, the world gives us things that we got to try to scrape and hold on to. Don't you gain another pound. You might lose her. You know, we got stuff in the world that you get that you might keep it, you might not. Jesus said, this I give you is not like anything that you're accustomed to. Remember, we're renewing our mind. This peace doesn't leave because you made a mistake. He covered that. He said what? We all sin and come short of the glory of God. This peace is not going to leave you because you made a mistake. This peace, he said, I'm leaving with you. Now it's up to you whether you want to hold on to it or not. It is completely and totally up to us. This is not the type of gift that can be taken away. He is not an Indian giver. This is the type of peace that we hold on to and that we are then able to re-gift. You know, how many of you have been told re-gifting is tacky? <laughs> Somebody said, I do it all the time. <laughs> This is the type of gift that you can re-gift and it's not tacky. This is the type of gift that when you get a hold of it, why do you think he wanted to give it to us? We are his foot soldiers. We're going to move. We're going to run. We're going to take this word. We're going to take this peace. We're going to share with everybody we come into contact with. You know, and this is the season where people catch the flu. My children, they have an appointment on Monday for their flu shots because we don't want to catch this. This is that thing you want to catch and you want to be contagious and you want the people who maybe right now they're calling you the Bible thumper. But there's going to be a season in their life where they're going to need the Bible. And so as you just continue to have peace and you continue to have joy, one of the things God showed me as he fine-tuned me, and I, I, I really love the mature version of me, is you don't have to make them take it. You don't have to bang them over the head with it. You just live it. They see it. And as we live it and we see it, we can re-gift this peace. Ephesians 2.14, Paul told us, for he himself is our peace. As we experience God's presence, we become interwoven in and inseparable from the peace that he is and that he gives to us. That's where we want to wind up. We want to be interwoven with that peace that you literally have to pry it to get it away with us. We don't want to be immature so that it easily slips through our fingers and the first little thing that happens to us, they can have your peace. They cut you off on the freeway, they get your peace. 
I telling the truth, Zoe? We've got to get interwoven. Have y'all ever seen couples that have been together for so long that you feel like they look alike now? <laughs> Let me give you a secret as I'm closing. You know where I'm going with that, don't you, Geneva? You've got to be with God so much. You have to stay in his presence so long that you become interwoven. And when people see you, they feel like they see Jesus. You have to walk with him so closely and stay so far up in his face that when somebody come for your peace, they better come with a crowbar. Amen. You got to be able to look at them and say, did you think that was going to take it? Girl, bye. This peace is in me. I am walking with my father. He covered me and he gave this to me. You cannot have it. And so as we leave here this morning, because this is what I love about Sunday. This is just our little filling station. This is just that place we come for one hour and we just spend time with the Lord and let him talk to us. And sometimes it's like surgery. And sometimes he says some things that kind of cut and we're like, ooh. But it ends with him patching us back up and letting us know you're going to be all right. I'm not discharging you empty-handed. I'm discharging you. The prescription that they give you, you don't have to worry about that. You don't need the refill. I'm giving you a prescription of peace. I'm discharging you this morning with this peace. And if we hold on to this peace, when the enemy comes, and he probably will show up on Christmas Eve, if not on Christmas Eve, for sure, when your family come over on Christmas Day. <laughs> God will be able to bring this back to your remembrance. And you will get to blow your family's mind. They're going to be scared. They're going to be like, what's wrong with her? Right about now, this is that point where, mm-mm. I'm going to hold on to my peace. Amen? Amen? Come on, y'all, let's give the Lord a praise.